0: (laughs) Hello and welcome, dear listeners. Oh, today you are in for a treat. Maybe a little trick and a treat. Welcome to the RR Show, the scariest show on the internet. And we are here today with a little something special for you. A Halloween special! (laughs) So buckle up, dear listeners. Settle in and prepare for a fright. Our first story from r slash ghost stories is from Wolf Dream. My trip to the slaughter yard. A story my mom wouldn't tell me until I was 30. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. Ch-ch-ch-ch- The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prices. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So let me start out by saying I enjoy writing, so this will be long. It is non fiction, though, but will hopefully be an interesting read. I also admit that I have absolutely no memory of this experience. I was a little over two years old and just starting to walk on my own when this event took place. My mom only told me this story around three years ago when I was 32 and about to get married. My mother was raised in a very tiny fundamentalist Christian community and had no belief in the paranormal she believed that our souls sleep until judgment day or something like this ergo there are no ghosts or spirits to haunt houses even over 30 years later she still sounded terrified as she told me this this woman who always talks way too loud was literally whispering by the end of it and she was white as a sheet i believed her completely and still do. My mum never talks about stuff like this. I'm just glad I can't remember it. In 1988, my parents had their second child. This was my brother, Victor. We were very crowded in our rented flat with two babies. My parents decided to move to a rambling old two-story farmhouse on a seven-acre plot in southern Ohio for more room for the family. It was way out in the sticks and took almost an hour to get to town from there. My mum said the first time I saw the house I freaked out. I was crying and saying things like, Don't like mean house, mean house, ugly house, don't like. Scary house, mama. But mum says this behaviour was very out of character for me. But I stopped complaining about the house after a few weeks, so she chalked it up to the stress of the move. Now this house was ramshackle as fuck and in the middle of nowhere. The kitchen was to the far rear of the house and until recently before we moved in, still had a working ancient wood-burning cooking stove against the back wall. This had caught the back wall on fire a couple of months before we moved in and caused a lot of damage. A lot of this damage wasn't fixed, so my young broke parents got a very cheap rent agreement Gotta love the 80s. On the second floor directly above the kitchen was a locked room. The landlord claimed it had heavy fire damage, but her son, who had done the repairs, claimed the only fire damage left was in the kitchen since it had been the worst and was beyond his skill level to fix. Either way, the landlord was adamant that the room was off-limits and my parents always respected that. 100% 100% I would have looked. I know all this because I heard stories about the crappy farmhouse with the creepy door my whole life and there were pictures of us in and around the farmhouse. The locked door was right next to the upstairs landing so there was no avoiding it and both my parents have told me it gave them the creeps. A few months after we moved in, my mother and I were sitting in the yard with our pit Doberman mix boss. She was hanging laundry and I was rolling around with the dog. She said that just as she noticed that everything was way too silent, Boss started going apeshit from surprisingly far away. About 500 yards from the house on the left, there was a small duck pond. Boss was in between the two, running towards my mum, then turning and running back towards the pond, barking frantically the whole time. My mum saw something thrashing around in the middle of the pond. She took off towards the water full speed. Boss beat her there and dug me out of the water himself. Thank you, papa. Love you. Although my mum was confused how I got so far so fast and how I got into the center of the pond since it was over my head and I couldn't swim, she figured she underestimated me and brought in the baby gates and playpens i was to be contained from now on a few weeks later she was cooking downstairs boss was outside victor asleep in his crib and i was in my playpen in my room upstairs i also had a gate on my door and one at the top of the stairs the stairs ran up from the side of the kitchen so my mum said she could listen for us crying or fussing while cooking My mum said no longer than 15 minutes after the last time she looked in on us kids, Boss starts going crazy again in the yard. She runs up to check on us. Victor's still sleeping. Every baby gate is still shut and locked. But I am not in my room. A frenzied search reveals I'm not in the house at all. A sudden image of Boss saving me from drowning causes my mum to rush outside to see what he's trying to tell her this time. She said he was running circles in the yard, barking uncontrollably. When she got outside, he took off towards the right, away from the pond. He would run ahead, turn around and bark at my mother, wait for her to catch up a little before racing off again. He ended up leading her almost a mile and a half out onto the dirt road that separated our property from our neighbors. He led her to a thick stand of trees on our neighbor's side of the rocky drive. She said what hit her first was the foul stench of advanced decay. She plowed into the trees with her heart in her throat and her stomach full of ice. She said she noticed many piles of corrugated tins, tarps, tires and other debris. The miasma was emanating most strongly from these junkyard cairns. Peeking under a sheet of tin, she discovered the extremely decomposed corpse of a butchered cow. As she headed deeper into the thicket, where the tree's cover was denser, she said less care was taken to cover the remains. Grizzly pieces of bones and rotted chunks of bovine littered the area. Apparently our neighbor, in an effort to cheat his taxes, had been illegally slaughtering cattle and hiding the remains in, at least, one of the few thick stands of trees around. She found me in the dead center of this thicket, just standing there, looking like I was confused, surrounded by carnage. She said I didn't seem scared or anything, just standing. She rushed over to me and after ascertaining that I wasn't injured, began questioning me on why I was here, how I got there, etc. Keep in mind that although my mother said I started speaking very young, I still didn't have much of a vocabulary. She said I told her, with that serious look only small children can give, that the children brought me here. Shatting her pants at the thought that anyone, even children, could walk right past her through the kitchen, get me from upstairs and walk right back past her on the way down the stairs and out with me, she demanded to know what children and where the hell they are now. I looked at her dead serious and told her, the ones that live with us in the room at the top of the stairs, and I didn't see them anymore. After a moment, of stunned silence. She started asking all kinds of questions about these children. However, she told me that I refused to say anything else. She said as long as she questioned me about what happened, I would just stand there staring at her with a serious expression and my mouth closed. She said this same pattern held true every other time she brought it up to me, so she was always left wondering. And immediately began hounding my dad about moving closer to town. While the incident with me getting to the pond was highly unlikely, it was at least remotely possible. My mother is adamant that me being in the hidden slaughter yard that day was flat out impossible. She said there is no way I could have even known it was there, much less have the ability to open and relock the baby gates, get downstairs past her and end up almost two miles down the road and in this place in under 15 minutes. I was only two and as slow and clumsy as most toddlers. As I said, she is still shaken by it after 30 years. Personally, I have no idea what happened that day. I thought about hypnosis, but I haven't yet decided whether I really want to remember Maybe it's better to let it be a mystery, because whatever the fuck those things were, I really don't think they were children. Well, you're still here. Haven't run away scared yet. You just stood there listening, quaking in your boots. Alright, well our next one is from r slash let's not meet. Posted by Banlul almost gave a serial killer a car ride. So a little background here. My father was in the army for 21 years, retired and moved to a very small town in central Florida. He got bored after a couple of years and even though we didn't need the money between his retirement and what my mum was making as a bookkeeper, he wanted to go back to work. He started working at various gas stations and it being a small town the owners wouldn't care if I came there and helped him with stocking the coolers or even running the register as long as I didn't sell any beer or smokes. This all took place in the late 80s and early 90s. The actual story I'm going to tell took place in 1990 and I remember that date well because it was shortly after my birthday and being 15 in Florida I'd just gotten my learner's permit and my dad would let me drive him to and from work just to get some experience on the road both at day and night. I was sitting in my usual spot at the table that was set up along the window, book in hand, feet propped up and a mountain dew on the table along with some snacks. I would generally spend most of the evening that way, reading books, getting up to run the register, stock the callers at different times. I remember glancing up because something caught my attention that was unusual. I realized that a lady was walking up our parking lot from the direction of the interstate. The gas station was right on the I-75. This in itself was really strange because where we were located, you didn't get many people walking and definitely not walking from the direction of the interstate. I figured she'd broken down somewhere and was going to use the phone to call for a tow truck or something. I was completely wrong. She came into the store, looked around for a few minutes, and I just remember getting a strange, creepy feeling about her. She walked up to the counter and started telling my dad a story about how she had gotten stranded and needed a ride up to the next big town north from us. Okala was the town, this is important. My dad lets her know that, well, he's working, there's no way he can take her. She turns. looks at me and while she's looking away from him my dad catches my eye and subtly shakes his head no i was confused for a second but then she turns back to my dad and points at me asking if i can take her my dad responded back that i only had a learner's permit and wouldn't be able to drive her anywhere and then drive back normally i would have done it even though it was illegal because i'd done it a few times before already I did not argue with my dad since this was completely out of character for him. He was normally chatty with the customers but for whatever reason he was almost curt and dismissive of her. Turns out he had bad vibes about her from the minute he'd seen her walking up the drive. Well, she curses him for a minute and then he basically tells her to get out of the store. She slammed the door. I thought the glass was gonna break from how hard she slammed it and then she stalks out of the store and down the driveway. I keep my eye on her and continue to watch her as she makes her way back up to the interstate and then starts up the northbound ramp. Almost a year passes and I'm in my bedroom, less than a week before my 16th birthday. I hear my dad yelling from the living room. Son, get your ass in here and look at this! I quickly run to the living room and see my dad pointing at the TV and look at the mugshot of the lady on the screen, and I immediately remember the lady who had been in the store. Turns out, I almost gave a ride to Eileen Wuornos, who was later convicted of being a serial murderer and then later put to death. I still have nightmares about what could have happened
1: That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: Our next story in by then at 4944 from r slash ghost stories is in the mountains of Yauco. I'm Puerto Rican and live in Brooklyn, but when I was young, I often spent summers in my grandmother's house in Yauco, Puerto Rico. She had a lot of land deep in the mountains. So deep, the roads would go off into the wilderness through narrow mountain passes, where cliffs were just a few inches off the tires, driving in pitch black. If a car came in the opposite direction, either they or you would have to drive in reverse until you found a place to pass each other. It was scary. The property has been with my family for a long time, and my family has been in Yauco as far back as anyone can recall. I used to spend a lot of time with my great-grandfather Pepito who farmed the land and took care of some cows. He was very old, he was nearly 100% Taino indigenous Puerto Rican. From him I would hear stories about the Indios who lived in the wilderness when he was young, who were not culturally assimilated into colonial society after hundreds of years of Spanish occupation. My family would often hide and harbor the culturally wild Puerto Ricans, culturally indigenous, because if Spanish locals found them, Los Matin, they would kill them. I had my first brush of mortality there at age 6 or so, crushing the jellybean-sized eggs of salamanders I found in the bush and watching the pink underdeveloped hatchlings run for cover on instinct. My grandmother told me what I had done was wrong, and I instantly knew why. I was filled with shame and cried. Pepito told me about strange flying discs he would see coming to the mountains and submerging into the lake. He told me about the spirits in the valley, that you could hear them, and to be careful walking around the roads of the mountains at night on my way from his house to my grandmother's. He taught me how to control a bull with its horns and how to ride it. He did a whistle only he could do when he wanted to gain the attention of an animal on the mountain. That made them either follow him, go where he directed them, or just to settle down. He told me about the legend of Diego Saucedo, which took place there in Yauco. When he was almost 100, Pepito was dying, and all of our family came to see him. He was a link to an old time, and so many people in Yauco knew him. They all went to his house. Uncles, aunts, cousins, people from nearby, all gathered at his house on top of the hill. I was too young to be present for his passing. I sort of didn't understand what was going on at the time. I was sent down to my grandmother's house to wait for the proceedings to be over. The sun was going down. The mountains were like shadows rising around me. Walking alone, I started to hear animals all about, crying out. Wild dogs all over the mountain, chickens were making a ruckus, the pigs in the lower valley were screaming almost like humans. The cows were howling in a way that I can only describe as similar to Cat Stark from Game of Thrones when Rob died. Every single non-human thing in the mountain with an earshot was wailing in a fashion that I have never heard before nor since. As a little kid, you can imagine how frightening that was, especially because I was alone. I hid in the house, looking out the window, waiting for my grandmother, listening to the animals cry. I was especially sensitive to sound then, as it had been a time in my life where I was often sick and constantly on the medicine of amoxicillin, which I was allergic to. It created this sort of overwhelming extrasensory sound experience. At some point, all the animals stopped making noise. I was thankful. Before bed, I asked my grandmother what happened, why all the animals were making that sound. She told me that Pepito had just died and that all of the animals on the mountain had realized the powerful being that protected it for so long was gone, that they had seen his spirit pass and that it was sensible that his change would affect them very deeply. My grandmother's perspective was that the animals just know these things I couldn't sleep. I went outside, late at night, curious and scared out of my wits, thinking about the spirits that may be out in the darkness of the mountain wilderness. Thinking about that terrible, painful lamentation that was embodied by animals crying like people. I went close to the edge of one of the small nearby cliffs that hung over an endless darkness and I squatted and listened. I heard a sound that scared me a feral yell in that darkness. I don't know what it was or if it was a dog at all, but it was certainly too close and I was by myself. It howled and yelped and I regretted coming outside. I was sort of frozen there, afraid to move, but afraid to stay. I wouldn't dare call out for my grandmother. I would be scolded for coming out and wandering around at night. She probably wouldn't hear me anyway. A moment later, I heard that whistle that Pepito used to do, out in the darkness. The howling stopped. As a child, I didn't think, that couldn't be Pepito, he's dead. Like any adult in their right mind, I thought, it's Pepito. It had to be. No one else could do that. No one else knew how to whistle that way in my family. And it was only us for miles around on the mountain. Where the sound came from. It would be impossible for any person to be, not even during the daytime. It was deep inside of the wilderness on the severe cliffside. But I knew he was there, as I am sure that at that age the line between life and death was blurred. Yauco is in the area where Aguabana, the chief of Taino, lived. It is also where the rebellion began against the Spanish. With the drowning of the conquistador, Diego Saucedo many of the surviving Taino escaped into the mountains of Yauco and lived in secrecy there for a long time hiding their lifestyle behind some of the more assimilated natives like Pepito they say the Taino are extinct but that cannot be I knew some of them I am one if only a little bit We have one more treat for you. This one is from r slash ghost stories from u slash accomplished ad two five nine nine. The haunted bathroom at Fort Irwin. This story is real and it is my personal experience. I joined the army in 1990 and got out in 98. When I hit my midlife crisis, I joined the National Guard. A few, more than a few, years after joining the guard, I was voluntold I was getting reassigned to a medical unit that was deploying to the Middle East. In January 2019, I reported to my new unit and learned that in addition to deploying at the end of the year, I would have to go through an NTC rotation with the unit. What a joy! NTC, for those who don't know, is the National Training Center and it's in the middle of the California desert. It's one of the most challenging training events the Army has and is as close to hell as we can get on this ball of dirt, so I think away. Skipping ahead, our rotation at NTC was scheduled to back up to our deployment, meaning we had to deploy our equipment from Fort Irwin instead of shipping it home. So after 30 days in the desert, I got to watch my unit load up on buses and head home for a month while I got to stay at Fort Irwin and deal with packing, customs inspections and inventories. Out of around 5,000 guardsmen that made up the force deploying, around 300 of us had to stay behind. Because units don't typically have to deploy, Fort Irwin struggled to find a place for us to stay. The rotational unit locations were needed for the next unit that were coming in to do some training in the desert, and the National Guard barracks on the post were needed for California Guardsmen who were doing their two-week annual training that summer. So after moving around a bit, we landed in what's known as augmentee Billeting. This is where units that come in not to train but to assist the post full-time, opposition force, stay. Lucky for us, there was no augments needed for the upcoming training, so we got to use these barracks for three weeks. This is where my story begins. The work we needed to do was long and hard, but after two weeks most of the heavy lifting was done and we started to enjoy some downtime. This coincided with our move to the augmentee housing. When we first moved, the housing manager, a civilian, walked the senior leaders through the 12 buildings we were to occupy and the bathrooms we were allowed to use. The setup was typical for army short-term housing. Each building had two sides of bunk beds from front to back. The 12 buildings we occupied along with some others were arranged in a square with large bathrooms and open shelters for a meeting, eating, etc. in the area behind the buildings. Each unit had its buildings, and my unit had the one the furthest from the assigned male bathroom. This was odd because directly behind our building was a male bathroom, but it was locked, and it was not on the list to be assigned to us. Being older, I asked the housing manager if we could get that one assigned as well. Being older, I must use the facilities more often, and I did not want to walk halfway across the pad to one of the male bathrooms we had. He said, Unfortunately, that one is not available, which I took to mean it had maintenance issues. Just my luck. Fast forward a few days, and I was coming back from dinner with my team in Bartstow, CA. It was late, and when we arrived, there was an MP, military police car, parked in front of the building next to ours. Being sensitive to issues with the National Guard and the active duty, I decided to walk to the smoking area behind the building with the MP to see if I could find out who had messed up and what we could do to avoid paperwork. When I got to the end of my building and started to the smoking pit, I swear I heard a scream and running water from the locked bathroom. However, I also saw one of our senior females talking to an MP at the smoking pit while I looked at the bathroom as I walked by. I was more interested in finding out what was up with the MP. When I reached the female NCO I knew, she immediately said, you heard that right i said heard what the scream yeah she said it's been going on for half an hour looks like someone broke into the bathroom and is tearing the place up great i thought someone got drunk and is going to get arrested please don't let it be one of my guys i turned to the mp and introduced myself i asked if she'd been into the bathroom yet and if she had any idea who was inside She kind of laughed and said, no, both doors still have their locks, so I'm waiting for the NCOIC to get here with the key. About that time, two additional MPs arrived, and one said, let's get this over with, and they started towards the bathroom. The senior MP turned to me and said, sir, do you and sergeant mind going around to wait at the other door? I said, we're not equipped to deal with some drunk, that's your job. He laughed and said, no worries, I don't think anyone will come out that side, more of a precaution if you don't mind. Satisfied, I walked to the sidewalk so I could see the back door. The noise from the bathroom was getting worse. It was clear all the showers were on from the steam. You could hear toilets flushing and what I assume was still doors banging. The MPs gave me a thumbs up as they went to unlock the padlock on the door. Suddenly, and I presumed when they opened the door, all the noise stopped. All we could hear was the water running. And when the MPs giving the military policy yell as they entered, shortly after that we could hear them yelling clear as they moved down the building and cleared areas. When they got to the end of the building I was on, they started turning off the showers and moving back towards the other door. I went to the front door waiting to see who they brought out. As they came out, the senior guy told his subordinates to make sure power was off and lock up. He asked me and Pryler, the master sergeant who had originally called in the disturbance, to walk with him. When we got back to the smoking area, he said, We didn't find anyone inside. I was indignant. Clearly, someone had been in the bathroom, and I said that was impossible. He held his hands up and said, Sir, this is not the first time this has happened. Every few months we get a call that someone's messing around over here. When we get here we search and clear the building and find nothing but running showers and if the bathroom has supplies, they will be thrown all over the place, but we never find anyone inside. I don't have an explanation for it, but from what I understand, this has been going on for years. There is a standing order that no MPs go into that bathroom alone, and at least one of the MPs doing a search must be male. What the F? I said. Why is that? He said he was not sure, but from what he had heard, a female MP had unexplained injuries when she searched the bathroom alone. In my mind, I said this is bullshit—just the active army messing with the guard again. The MPs left, and MSG priler and I talked for a bit. She was originally from Louisiana and joined the NC Guard when she got out of the army at Fort Bragg. I told her I thought this was a bullshit prank by the MPs. She was not so sure. She said she thought it was supernatural. I, however, was not convinced. Three additional times during our stay, people reported hearing noises, screaming, and running water from that building. Each time the response was the same. Three MPs would search the building and find no one. When it came time to clear the building, I asked the housing manager for a moment when we were done. He looked at me and said you have questions about the bathroom, right? Well, yes, I said. He looked at me and said, I need a cigarette, walk with me to my truck. This is what he told me. In 2009, a soldier who was doing an augmentation mission from Fort Hood committed suicide in that bathroom. Sadly, this is not uncommon. Soldier suicide is at an all-time high. After his death, the housing team started getting reports of issues in the bathroom. The first incidents were with the stool door the one where the soldier died, which would not stay on its hinges. They would get calls nearly daily that the door had fallen off, only to find it undamaged and lying on the floor. Then, during the period of no unit using the building, they would come to open it only to find the door off and on the floor with the showers running. A few years later, he said the MPs started getting calls. Some were screams and yelling in the bathroom, some were of people being punched while showering, etc. In 2012, the building maintenance team and the MPs decided to leave the building locked. While it took one bathroom away, it was not worth the constant hassle of dealing with the calls. That's when the someone is trashing the bathroom calls started. Early on, MPs would get the key and search the building, turn off the showers and lock it back up. However, one night, a female MP got the call. She arrived, went in, and was beaten, somewhat badly. After a long investigation, no one was ever charged with her assault. The MP herself said she did not see the attacker, but that the punches came from all directions. This is when the unofficial policy of three MPs and at least one male started. He looked at me and said, Sir, I don't believe in spooks and stuff, but whatever's in there, it scares me. And I'll be honest, whatever's in there scares me too. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited
0: by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: True terrors of horror, bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed Terror Takes Center Stage.